Hey, welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. Today, I have someone that has become a really good friend of mine joining me for the podcast. We've been trying to get this date together for a while so that I could um, get her on and interview her. And every time we get together, we end up chatting about other things. So um, I actually, I'm going to let her introduce herself in a minute, but this is someone that's got a a story that when I first heard it really affected me. And when people talk about having a why for your business and your brand and a reason behind doing what you do, this lady has that pinned down. So I can see she's in the waiting room. I'm going to let her in. Um, Slight, probably a slightly different episode to what what you're used to from me, but um, I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. Let's go. Hey, beautiful. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're finally How many times have we set a date for this and then just got it's oh, been, oh, well, I'll tell you, I'll it. tell you. I think we have been trying to get this podcast for a couple of months, if not more. It's crazy. And it's like, it's not that we haven't spoken. It's just every time we do we speak, speak <laughs> it's, it's, we just get with like, oh no, we'll do it next time. Something's come up. We want to talk about instead off air. And so no, I'm well, glad. I'm glad. Well, at least we're speaking every week. We catch up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I haven't introduced you at all. Okay. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. All right. And um, so, yeah, if you can introduce yourself and um, and what it is you're doing at the minute, and then I've got a few questions for you. We'll get into that. Ooh. All right. So my name is Ray. Um, I work with business leaders to help them with their uh, anxiety management, stress management, or to even learn who are they behind the titles to explore their true identity. And I also raise awareness on mental health, specific, specifically men's mental health. So I do a lot of awareness campaigns, a lot of webinars and workshops to help people understand the distinction between being depressed or being just sad. Uh, What is the difference between anxiety and stress, uh, suicide prevention and suicide awareness. So I do all of that just to make the world a better place for the coming generations and our generation as well. Um, What else? When I'm not coaching, I train companies and their teams on uh, employees' well-being programs or personal development trainings. And I try my best to have the combination between being uh, self-improved and at the same time being uh, aware and having more knowledge about what is the true meaning of personal development, because it's not only a matter of being aware of something, but also taking action. So I also train companies on that. When I'm not when I'm not doing both, I host a podcast. It's called Don't Be a Man About It. And it's also where I host remarkable men to share their stories on mental health and just to give men around the world the um, tens- sensation and the confirmation that they're not alone. Absolutely. So it's um, it's the men's mental health stuff that I really wanted to um, sort of shine the light on with you and the work you're doing there, because, you know, there are there are so many 
coaches out there that are kind of, you know, we could take bits of what you've just said and it's like, like there's so much competition out there and there's a lot of people that have, they've done a course, they've kind of, maybe they've had some kind of mental health um, related experience themselves and they've kind of overcome that and they now want to sort of pass that on and help other people. But in my experience, there's very people with a story as unique as your own. And, uh, you know, we talk about having a why in your business mm-hmm. and um, people's whys can be, yeah, they can be pretty thin. They can be pretty weak. I, you know, I'm doing this because I really want to help people. I'm doing this because there's X number of suicides a year. And if I can stop one additional suicide, and I'm not saying that that's not a good why, yeah. But actually, it's important you have a, a purpose to what you're doing that you can really, really connect with if you want to achieve those goals. So Absolutely. now that I've bigged it up loads, <laughs> <laughs> how, how, com- how comfortable are you to sort of share your, share your story on the podcast for me today? Now I'm very comfortable. Before, I was a bit hesitant. I was a bit scared. And in all honesty, I would give the credit to Spencer Um, he was the person who encouraged me and actually kicked my ass to share my story because, and he was right. The minute people heard what I went through and all of the experiences I, I had to face at a very young age and how my business was built, everything changed. It's, it's like you have automatically built credibility okay, we trust you now. We can trust you with our fears, with our doubts, with our issues. We can say things that we have never said before to any, uh, not even to our wives or partners or parents. And it's crazy. So now more than ever, I would share my story, even if I had to just knock on doors. Hey, want to hear my story? So come on, because, like you know, most of my listeners are here in the UK. You're based out in Dubai. Mm. Um, yeah, we mentioned Spencer. So Spencer Lodge, I interviewed on episode 13, and that, that's how we met through Spencer. And he's kind of an influencer out there where, where you are. Um, but, yeah, so for the UK audience, they're probably not aware of your story. So I'd, I'd love you to share that now if you're, if you're happy to. Of course. Well, okay, 10 years ago, let me start from the very beginning. We were a very happy family, member of four um, family members, uh, my dad, my mom, and my brother, and me. We were happily living in Dubai. Um, and then all of us, not all of a sudden, but then my family just went into a lot of you know, drama. And um, my dad's business went really down the hill after he was a very successful businessman. Um, so we split. Um, without any choice as a kid. I think I was 13 years old. So we left Dubai, we went to my hometown, Beirut, and my dad had to go to another Gulf country. And that's when it all started. That's when I began began to see things that I, as a kid, you're not supposed to see, like a violent mom or an aggressive mother um, who always would do her best and put all of her effort just to put you down. you're not good enough. You're such a loser. Nothing good comes uh, from you beating you up for reasons and without reasons. That's how I was raised. Um, 
having to go from a private school to a public school, not knowing anyone, so starting really over at a young age, not knowing why and what did I do to deserve all of that? Did I do something wrong? Am I being punished? Um, and then I, at the age of 23, after, you know, a lot of drama, and I, sorry to, to take you a little bit back, at the age of 18, my mom asked for a divorce. Um, so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to live with a aggressive mom or abusive mom. So I'm going to leave the house. So I had also to, to learn how to pay bills, how to run a house at the age of 18, how to cook. I didn't know how to even boil an egg. So I would call my dad, you know, Hey, how can I boil an egg? What can I do? I want to do a soup. So it, it was very difficult for me to sacrifice you know, the teenager years where you just go clubbing and you go dating and you go shopping and do all the crazy stuff. I didn't get to do that because I had to learn how to be responsible. And I left school for like two or three years so I could be able to pay my rent and my bills. And so it was really not a pleasant time to, to, to be alive or to be a teenager. Um, and then at the age of 23, I wake up one day to to... To, to learn that my dad has passed away. Now, the thing is, I did not know that he was depressed. I did not know that he was having a hard time. And I was told that he had a heart attack. So at the beginning, I was like, okay, he had a heart attack. It must be me because the night before we had an, our first argument. It took my family or his family like two weeks by accident. I was reading the newspaper and I came to learn that my dad died by suicide. It wasn't a heart attack. And that's when everything changed. Okay, so my dad willingly killed himself. Why would he do that? And that's when I was 23 years old. I had to live all of these emotions between I, I don't know what to feel. Should I be sad? Should I be angry? Should I be pissed? What am I doing? After my healing and my therapy, and it took more than nine years, um, eight years, something like that, between, you know, therapy, um, self-improvement workshops, a lot of healing, a lot of why God me, but something inside me knew that I want to, I don't want any girl to go in any possible way in a situation to feel guilty for what her dad is going through or to not a, to be able to read the signs, because I'm pretty sure now, looking back, there were a lot of signs, there were a lot of symptoms that I could have read if I had the awareness, if I had the knowledge. And that's, that's basically, I, I made it my mission, Christina, to just heal myself, if not 100%, because that doesn't exist really, but at least to a percentage enough for me to quit my job, do whatever it takes to raise awareness and to be that warm shoulder for men who were like my dad or who are like my dad. They're sad. They're depressed. They, they feel stuck. They feel that there's this heaviness on, on their chest and they don't know what to do with it. Or they're having these thoughts that maybe I should kill myself and get rid of the pain. Or maybe people would be much living a much better life without me. So that's where, where it started, really. I just didn't want any man to go through what my dad went through. And at the same time, I didn't want any daughter to go through what I went through because 
I know both sides and I myself has have um, survived three suicide attempts. So, and that happened after my dad died. So I was like, I want to go to him. I want to go and meet him. I want to make sure that he's fine and he's not alone. What's the best way to do that? Let me kill myself. <laughs> but of course that came because I was really depressed and no one was listening to me and I was all on my own. And it's really hard, you know, um, especially I was also in a toxic relationship, like Jesus. So that's, I think, pretty much it in a nutshell. It, um, yeah. So obviously, you know, I know you've spent a lot of years, you've you've done a lot of work yourself to kind of yeah. accept what happened and the... Um, you know the, the the shock when you read that article in the newspaper to find that your your family hadn't been truthful with you as to what had happened with your dad and you know the obviously the the, the shock of you know of him passing away as well have you like what insights would you share with some like let's say that happened to someone right now mm. what are the insights that you, that you would share with that person because I imagine you've got, you know, you, you've just sort of said, you know, I wanted to be with him, but also the the feelings of guilt and, you know, the, the, the mix of emotions that happen. Knowing what I know now, I would really say just make sure that you are surrounded with supportive and understanding people, because it's very easy for us to say, ask for help. Yes, definitely ask for help. Always have these in case of emergencies, contacts on your list, but just make sure that you are surrounded with supportive people and understanding people. And what I mean by that, being a supportive person to a suicidal or a depressed friend does not mean that you have to help them. It's not that, it's the help that they want, unless it was really severe, like they're really thinking of killing themselves. But in between that person, all he needs is just to know that he is supported. And by that, it could mean by, I don't know, sitting in silence with a friend or someone checking in on me to make sure that I ate during the day or I'm fine or if I need anything, these kind of stuff. Um, it really matters because back then I, I do remember a lot of friends were worried about me because it, it really showed on the way I'm dressing, the way I'm talking. Um, a lot of times I'm just silent and they were just imposing help. And the more they imposed help, the more I would just want to escape and just, if I'm not going to kill myself because I want to be my dad, I'm going to kill myself because of how you're trying to help me. So it's really sensitive. So I would also suggest that People around that person, whether they are friends or family or colleagues or whoever is in touch with that depressed or suicidal person, always make sure you have a contact with a mental health professional. Let them know what's going on. Give them a heads up that, hey, listen, my daughter is this or my dad is this. What do you suggest I should do? Just, just in case, because symptoms can gum, come and go. The signs can come and go. One day it's really intense. The, the next day that person could act more normal than any normal person. So having a mental health professional, knowing the situation and just keep telling them what to do in the background would really, really help. Yeah. Um, 
obviously your experiences and you know what what happened with your father that is the that's been the driver for the work you're doing now and the you know wanting to raise the awareness around men's mental health mm-hmm. um i think that you know across the world this is an issue but there are some you know there are some parts of the world where just culturally it's you know there's even more of a barrier in terms of men being vulnerable and that kind of thing and you know it, it in the Middle East, in the UAE, I would imagine that to be sort of tenfold what it is here in the UK. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I lived, like, I was 23 when my dad died by suicide. It took me maybe three to four, even more, to even tell my friends that he died by suicide. Only people who knew, knew. But those who kept on asking, how did he die? I would always say, he had a heart attack. Because, not because I I was ashamed, but it's just that I'm really not in the mood to explain why he did what he did. I know it's not acceptable religiously or whatever, or socially, but I'm just not into that debate anymore. And I didn't have the instance that I do have today or the energy to actually raise awareness, like, you know? Um, But it was so not shocking, but it was so sad to see the amount of people who were ignorant about what really mental health is about. They wouldn't understand. They would just run and jump into conclusions like, your dad's going to go to hell, you know that. And I was like, yeah, and he's going to take you with you, with him. Um, It's these pity looks. Um, All of a sudden, you become that person who Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm fine. I just, I'm going through a phase. This is not how you're helping me. So, and a lot of men around my dad, whether they were his brothers or his friends, they were in the same shoe, except for the suicidal act. They were depressed. They were in desperation. They were feeling lonely, but they didn't talk about it and they stayed in unhappy marriages they stayed doing um they kept doing these toxic habits and activities and these dull life and until now that you could see how miserable they are no one would ask them what's wrong and they would never talk about it and the only reason why they're not actually doing something it's because it's religiously not acceptable but they're not doing anything here in Dubai, when I first started raising awareness on mental health, a lot of people came to me and they were like, are you insane? Are you really insane? Maybe you should try to replace suicide with another word. Maybe you should not be so open about how your dad died. What would people say about you? And I was like, well, if I don't share my story, who will? Mm-hmm. And if I don't break the pattern, that's the most important thing. Whoever, whatever you be doing, whether in marketing or social media or mental health or advertising, whatever it is, when you want to break something as a pattern and you want to create a new trend or something new, someone has to do it without really caring about what other people say. No one thought to himself, hey, listen, maybe... Um, if you look around these really successful people, no one told them that this is gonna work. And one of the most really examples that really stuck in my head, Apple, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Like really no one believed in him or his product. Look at him now. 
So now I'm more comfortable. If you're not comfortable hearing the word suicide or hearing the word depressed or anxiety, then you are the right person for me because I want you to be comfortable with that terms because they do exist. Let's stop living in denial or la la land. These are things that are living among us and they could be living next to you in your house. So you have to be aware of it. Yes, it's not pleasant to hear. Yes, it is. Um, it can trigger a lot of emotions and bad feelings, but we can get through it. But if you don't know what the real issue is, then what's the point? So it's we, we have a long road, but it's getting much, much better. Even here in Dubai, a lot of people are raising awareness on mental health. And a lot of people, all of a sudden, they just became men's mental health coaches as well. But this is good. I see it as a good thing. The more, uh, the better. Do you think that, you know, what it is, what is it about this subject? What is it about men in particular that kind of, holds them back because at the end of the day if you're going to if you're going to look at these things if you're going to look inside yourself at this stuff it requires bravery you know mm. it it requires you know so if we just stick with the word bravery you know that that's quite a masculine word in itself you know it's kind of if you, if you think about like you know mm. your, your kids story tales it's always the you know the handsome prince that's super brave <laughs> or the king or the knight or whatever you know it's all these massive and I'm not saying it should be but actually if you think about the bravery that's required they are you know it, the, the kind of more masculine traits that are required in order to do this. Um, so what, where is the blockage? Why, why don't men open up in the same way women do? Well, before I answer that, just to comment on the bravery thing, there's nothing wrong of having this bravery image as a man or even as a woman. Bravery is such a beautiful um, trait to have what when when it becomes too much and you start blocking your human traits such as empathy or compassion or kindness that's when bravery becomes toxic and that's when it becomes something that hurts you and it works as a double sword if if if, if anything because bravery becomes uh, too much power and then bravery becomes too much risk taking and then bravery becomes I want to control everything so it's just having the right balance now answering your question where I come from I come from Lebanon and all the countries next to it even here in the Gulf men or boys are raised from a very young early age man up it's not good to cry. Take care of the house when I'm not here. Take care of your little sister. There's always this pressure from a very young age that boys are the men in the family and the provider in the house. They are the caretakers. They are the protectors. And when they cry, no, 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 you're not supposed to cry. You're not allowed to cry. You're a man. So when this boy grows up, he's already having this wrong definition of what a man is really like. 
Oh, okay. So a man should not cry. A man should not express his emotions to anyone because it's it's something shameful. A man should, you know, uh, so anything that contradicts this definition will come off as something abnormal, which means crying in public or even crying in front of your partners or family members, um, expressing your uh, issues like having stress or anxiety or fears or doubts, uh, suicidal thoughts, anything that comes off as not macho, they wouldn't be doing it. And when you face them, there's always this barrier. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay. I can deal with it. And when you look at how Arab men or men who were raised in that way, how they are dealing with it, they're either always angry, they're either always killing themselves in the gym, like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, deal with my stress, I'm gonna smash it. Or they're just being who they are by being rude to people, very defensive, very aggressive, very limited when it comes to having a conversation about stress or emotions or relationships or commitment or anything. And at the same time, you can see how successful they are in business. They want to prove something. So you could see how CEOs and managing directors and business owners and entrepreneurs, they're the most successful people, but at the same time, they're not happy. Do you think that, because I know you do work here in the UK as well. Do you, do you yeah. see a difference uh -huh. in the way that people define what it is to be happy or, or do you think it's like it's the same across the board absolutely. absolutely but it doesn't have to do with any nationality but it definitely goes from one person to another uh, it's not gender biased definition of happiness could go from I want to have a million dollars in the bank to I just want to have a simple life and most of the clients that I work with are all on the high level of success. They have the wealth, they have the fame, they have the money, they have everything that they want, materialistically speaking. But when they come to describe what happiness is, it all starts with, I just want to lead a simple life. I just want to wake up not having to check my laptop, not having to tell my team what to do. I don't want to go do this with my wife. So they just want to lead a simple life. And by simplicity, if you just um, track it or trace it let's say to the beginning it's all I just want to feel peace I want to be in peace because you can still do all of that and be happy but it's just that you're so much into your head and you're so much attached to the pressures around you whether it was from the business or the boss or the wife or the family the parents whoever is putting pressure on you of course you're going to be unhappy I have a client that I work with Oh my God, Christina. Oh my God. He has everything. Knock on woods. He has everything. But until today, he would not do anything if his dad said no. So he's living double life. It's like Batman, where at night he becomes the savior and during the day he's this shy man. This is how my client is living his life. And now we're working on setting boundaries and living authentically. 
It's crazy. I, do you know, I've been um, the last couple of weeks, I've been sort of listening to some stuff and um, reading some stuff. And it's all about kind of realigning my goals and what it is I, not from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective, actually yeah. what things need to look like and, and that sort of stuff. And it is, it's really hard to define. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's kind of, there's, you know, there, there's so much, so much that goes on in my world. And I am literally, it's like, all I really want is that, you know, that, you know, like three o'clock in the morning, you wake up in a, like you, you, you jump awake out of your sleep and you're like, oh my God. And there's that thing that's woken you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just, whatever that, I want to be in a world where that thing that's woken me up is something that's a really good problem to have. Oh, yeah, that's, like that. that's what I want because, you know, we, we never, but what does it look like? I, I've no idea. I've no idea, but it is kind of like, you know, yeah. Like you just said, I want the peace. I want the stillness. I want, I want the quiet, you know, I want to like when I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm the only person that's there I want to be someone that I like. I want to be a person that I'd want to be friends with, that I'd want to hang out with, that I want to have a conversation with that's interesting and, you know, all, all those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, it's it's unrealistic to say that, you know, here's a figure and that's going to be enough money. Or, you know, that, you know, if I get A, B and C, then, then I'm going to be happy. I, for me, that's unrealistic because the goals are always going to change. Whatever you've got, you're going to want more or different or, or whatever. But actually it is, yeah, and we've all always got problems. You know, there is always a problem. There is always something, and it doesn't matter how positive you are, there's always something in the back of your mind you want to solve. Well, actually, if I can get to a place where, the only problems I've got are good problems to have, then I reckon that's a good place to be. Mm. And there's a bit of, you know, like I said, there is business stuff in there that would get me to that place. There's a lot of um, personal stuff and, you know, acceptance things and forgiveness things that need to, that I need to do work on to get to that point as well. Um, but it's, it's really hard to define being happy what being happy looks and like. don't define it you don't have to define it you can just go with it and day by day you can get the real it's like having a puzzle of thousand pieces and that's your first puzzle what would you do so you would just take it one piece at a time sometimes you get people to help you but at the end of the day it's your puzzle and you could spend hours you could spend days weeks just trying to fit in all the pieces together and then just one night you would look at it, I did it. Or or it could go the other way. Yeah, I'm not into puzzles anymore. I want to do something else. <laughs> so, but both options would actually make you happy. You know, you would get this, well, at least I tried something new. You don't have to define happiness as long as you know how, it want, how you want to feel. Mm. So what would happiness get you? What, what, what kind of feeling? So you just said it, I just want to be in peace and I want to be the person I like. So th it's not happiness. It's about how you perceive yourself. What makes you think that you're not the friend that people would like or you would like. So I would start from there. Yeah. I think sometimes as well, it's that, um, 
you know, it's about you reframing things. It's about you shifting your mindset as well. Um, you know, and it, it's it's a really silly example, but it's like, you know, in the middle of a business day, my phone goes and it's like, you know, one of the kids and I'm like, what now? Oh. You know, and it's like you, you kind of, you know, all of a sudden the doom's playing out and like the, there must yeah. be a problem. You know, my, my mother was trying to ring me the other day and I was like, there must be something wrong, you know, and it was like, no, she just couldn't get her computer to attach to the Wi-Fi. And, um, you know, it, but it's like you have this kind of instant doom like naysaying thing that happens um but yeah no it's it's interesting so let's talk a little bit about the podcast now because this is it's like i i have to admit i haven't listened to all of the podcast okay so i'm 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 not sort of saying that i have um but there are there's certain episodes in there that i i think have been really really cool like I loved the episode with um, Leon Logothetis Um, and so before I ask you that I've I've got a question around that but before I ask you my question so how many episodes is it you've done now? So I recorded 19 now um, released 12 episodes Okay. No, the twelfth is actually Spencer's. So I'm 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 editing that. It's going to be next. But yeah, um, every episode taught me something, and every episode was different than any other one. And you know, you have a podcast. The first episode was with Leon, and I had absolutely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't even have a ring light, uh, light ring. I didn't know what to say, what not to say. I, I freaked out. I was nervous until to um, to, to to a moment where he was like, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be fine. Breathe. And I was just looking at him. You're my guest. You're not supposed to tell me this. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I'm I'm very happy and very proud of it. To be very honest, excellent. What has been the? Because I, I, again, I know from talking to you that there have been times where you've kind of you've recorded an episode and it's like you've stopped recording and then that you know there, there's kind of things have been shared like light bulb moments have been shared with you. So, kind of yeah, what what are some of those things that you found in recording the podcast? Um, you want to share, you want me to share one of those insights? Yeah, that'd be fab. Okay. So there was, um, an episode with Tom, Tom Simmons, and he is an anxiety, um, survivor. So he is going through some anxiety, but he had medical issues. He had something in his body. So he had to really, really led a very, painful life let's let's put it that way but he survived and now he's a um, mental health advocate so I was asking him my usual question which is how is your heart doing that's that's a question where I start all of my episodes Christina yeah it's it's my standard he didn't know what to answer he just stood there and he froze he was like what the hell no wait what do you mean what should I say oh god and he just you know, kept on thinking about it. He was like, no one ever asked me this. And every guest says the same, but Tom's reaction was so authentic and was so genuine and was just on spot where he literally did not know what to say. And he never answered. Days back, he was like, this is how my heart is doing. 
it took him days to figure out how's his heart doing. And while we were recording, he came to learn something about himself is that he should learn how to let go. It, that was brilliant because he never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. And I was like, okay, wow, this is huge. Another insight, which was recent, and it made me feel, you know how sensitive I am and you know how emotional I can get. So I was recording a podcast with Brian, Brian Reeves, and he's a relationship coach. And I don't know why I thought to myself, let me ask him who is Brian. <laughs> And then ask him about his heart. And oh my heart, oh my God. He he was really in pain because of what's going on in the uh, US. He was holding so much anger. He was holding so much emotions at once. And I asked him that and he just popped like a balloon and everything just you know kept on going out and out and out. And I was just standing there I was like, shit, I wish, like, of one, I don't know what to do, except hold the space and be silent and just let your guest let it out. Because at the end of the day, this podcast is not about me. It's about who's listening and what insights they're going to take. And two, it's about my guests and to show the human side of them. I don't want anyone to get on the show and just share their successes. Yes, this is great, but I want to see this side of you. I want to see how vulnerable you get and how how um, comfortable you are to, to embrace this vulnerability in you. And this is amazing. This is beautiful. And I remember I said to Brian, I so wish I could hug you right now because I could feel that something shifted in the energy. And he was just being himself. It's as if we're not recording. We're just having this conversation. And hey, um, what's going on? And you just tell me what's going on. Only that a lot of people would be listening. So what I would say, I could go on and on and on. But what I would say is that this show taught me that men just want a chance just make them that you really genuinely want to listen to them. It's not just about, you know, list of questions, tick, 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 tick. Thank you so much for coming and bye-bye. <laughs> uh, no, it's not that because all of my guests until today, we WhatsApp, we talk, we share updates, even if it was once in a blue moon, but we still talk. And the funny part is that they ask me, how's your heart doing? And I was like, wait, no, that's my line. <laughs> That was going to be my question. That's what I was going to ask you. But it is, it's such a, um, I mean, where did you, did you plan the question? Because even, so like Leon Logothetis, if people don't know who he is, he, um, The Kindness Diaries is a documentary. It's on Netflix. And it's kind of like this guy just goes, like he'll go traveling with no money, no anything. And just like, and rely (laughs) on the kindness of others. And he's got this whole kindness movement and it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, he's like, you know, he's, he's a confident guy. And you asked him that question and even he was like stuck for words and just like had to sort of, it was almost like you could see him second guessing himself on the video of of the podcast, (laughs) you know, and it's like, actually, it's not that it's a, it's not that it was a crippling question. 
but it actually it kind of um I've never seen it I've never seen any of your podcast guests where you've asked that question not freeze in that moment (laughs) they're all kind of like standing and it's like they're looking down at themselves going actually what what, what should I say how how is my heart I don't know uh, who was he? I think it was Robert when he was like, do you mean romantically? Or what do you mean? I was like, no, no, no. I mean, how is your heart doing? Whatever you feel like saying, just say it. Yeah. Where did it come from? Well, I'm a person who I have a strong connection with my heart. And I would love if anyone would come one day I've always loved the idea that I would get asked about my heart. I always wanted someone to just come and tell me, hey, how's your heart? And I want to tell them, how's my heart, you know? So that's where it came from. And with Leon, I was so anxious. And that's the first time I would say it. I was so anxious to ask him that question. But I really wanted to because I knew that he would understand. I knew that someone who wanders all, you know, goes all around the world with his, you know, uh, car, he would understand what I mean when I say, how's your heart doing? Because how are you? I'm fine. I'm okay. Okay. No, (laughs) I don't want that. And by asking someone that, you're really telling them how that you care. Mm. You're there to, so it's just, it's not only a question. It's much more than that. You're telling that person that you care. You're telling that person that, hey, I'm here, not for a shallow relationship, even though we're not close, but I do care and I'm here to listen. Um, How's your heart doing today means, did you check in with yourself today? So I'm giving you the opportunity to check in if you did not already. It's much more than that. And all of those just go in my head over and over and over. And I want it to be trending. I want everyone <laughs> to just keep asking each other, how's your heart doing today? And I'm actually doing something regarding that statement because I really want it to be all around the world. And whoever list- hears that question, he would say, Ray. <laughs> yeah. So it's just helping people, in my case, men, to just be connected to your human side of you. I don't want you to be wearing any mask or I don't want you to be playing any role except being a human. And we as humans, we have hearts, we have souls, we have our intuition, we have our emotions. I want you to be that person with me. I don't want you to be the other person that you go outside and people know you as that. I'm not, I'm not interested in this. So if you've, if you are, um, there's a, there's a man in your life, whether it's through business, through family at home, whatever, and you kind of think that, you know, there's something there that I'm not sure they are happy. I think, you know, maybe they need to go down this kind of route of self-awareness. Kind of how do you, because it's a massive journey someone has to go down and you've got to answer tough questions and all that kind of thing. But just to get that process started off, you kind of almost need to pull a, th- you know, it's like you pull a thread. Yeah. And if you can pull that thread, it's going to, so what's the, What's the jumping off point? What, what's the very, if I, if I was going to 
talk to my father or my brother or my husband or, you know, one of the guys that, that works with us, what would be that kind of that starting tactic that to try and get them to open up? Well, listen, it depends. It's there's no such thing as one size fits all. I cannot just, you know, give you something to go by. And I don't believe any coach or anyone who would come and tell you, these are four steps for you to open a conversation. <laughs> Final questions you could ask. Yeah. And you would go there and be like, okay, so what did we do today? It doesn't work like that. But I would really, really focus and emphasize on two things, which is communication and the right language. Because sometimes what we intend to say comes off as very offensive or comes off as what the hell are you talking about? It's just the language, the message that we want to convey. We convey it in the right tone, the right place, the right energy, uh, eye contact, uh, not letting any, because if you want to talk to your father, no one would know him more than you do, regardless of how good you are relationship wise. Um, so you would know what would tick him off and what would tick him on if it makes any sense. So you would know which kind of language to use and what kind of tone to 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 use instead. Uh, would he be offended if you offered help? If not, if yes, then what's the way to go around it? Now, how to go around it, you could always go to a mental health professional and they would tell you how to approach him without offending him or without making him feel that I'm not a kid and I don't want anyone to take care of me because this is a very common behavior when it comes to men but sometimes it's just as simple as hey I'm worried about you I know something is going on and my intuition is really insisting that something is going on if you're not ready to talk about it that's okay but I would I want you to know that I'm here and just every now and then give them that reminder again I'm here just in case do you need anything just make it as simple as possible but language and communication are very, very important. Excellent. So, okay, final question. Final okay. question. Okay. <laughs> so, again, I think women are more open to, you know, engaging in something that's going to give them help on this stuff. Yeah. And even then we could, you know, women can be sort of, you know, reticent to, to kind of do that and put that in place. So what's your, if you, if you could leave, if we can end this podcast like with a message to men that is kind of telling them, explaining to them why they need to invest in this, because it is investing in your mental health is like nourishing your body. You know, it's like, it's like having a good diet. It's like going to the gym and, you know, getting your regular exercise. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, people would drink their eight glasses of water a day or whatever it is, because actually that's what I need to do to to take care of my, my health physically. And yet actually when they look at investing in someone like you, or a, a course or a program or and or just investing the time in it, they can be quite anti doing that. So yeah, what's what's the message there? Well, I would speak their language, really. I would say if you want to enjoy your money, your wealth, your success, your business, and your family and the kids, 
you need to invest in your mental health because all of that won't matter if you're if you're sad, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, if you're feeling lonely despite everything around you. All of that success and and money that you have raised or whatever you have worked so hard in your life will not feel good if you do not feel good. Um, I would say stop filling the void with tangible stuff like cars and houses and, you know, flights or whatever, watches, these kind of stuff. And it's okay to feel the pain for a very temporary period of time, but know that you're not alone and someone is there for you and will help you get through it. And this temporary sadness or this temporary pain that you're going through will lead to a long-term of peace and because you would be able to learn how to deal with all of your emotions and how to express them uh, to yourself first and then to others around you. So you want to enjoy your wealthy life, have a wealthy mental health. That's awesome. That's awesome. Ray, where can people find you and, um, and make sure you plug your podcast now as well? So, yeah, where can, where can people find you? <laughs> well, um, on LinkedIn, I'm the most active over there, Rahaf Kobesi. Uh, Instagram, Raise Your Mental Health. Uh, the podcast, Don't Be a Man About It. Um, on Spotify, on Google, um, where they can find me. Yes, and my email is rahaf at raisermentalhealth.com. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>